Welcome to Your Truth Revealed, a video podcast that explores your hidden physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marcoux, and I share with you the power of self-knowledge. I interview industry professionals to talk about how you can be your own health expert. You're listening to episode 10, Know Your Development. This is the second part of an interview with Dr. Renee Rogers. We talk about the developmental stages of life from childhood to adulthood that relate to leadership. Our self-concept evolves in a series of stages throughout our lifetime. These stages greatly impact our ability to lead effectively. The reactive mindset is very disempowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really a barrier to greater effectiveness because a manager to be effective in the complexity of today's world has to be able to empower not only themselves, but more and more people to do work. Listen as we dive into the stages of your life and how they relate to development and leadership. My guest today is Renee Rogers. She has a PhD in human resources and organizational development from the University of Texas at Austin and a master's degree in applied linguistics from San Francisco State University. Renee has served in executive level positions, leading various functions in human resources for over 25 years. She is a certified professional coach and consults leaders and teams in her practice. Robert Anderson and William Adams wrote a book called Mastering Leadership. And they describe how Robert Keegan's stages of development are integrated into their universal model of leadership. I'm going to take some time to break that down. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about childhood. Mm-hmm. In terms of adolescence, they call this egocentric, mm-hmm. which is the same as self-sovereign. Mm-hmm. In adulthood, they talk about reactive, which is the same as the socialized self. Mm-hmm. There's the creative, which is the self-authoring self. The integral, which is the self-transforming self. And then lastly, the unitive. This all comes from a very important instrument that Bob Anderson created and piloted first with the Integral Leadership Program at Notre Dame, then subsequently has had tens of thousands of leaders take the instrument. So they have a massive database now. And the instrument is a 360-degree feedback Mm -hmm. instrument. Mm -hmm. It's a tool. And so really their work and their company is built around the artful, skillful use of this way for managers, leaders to get feedback. Excellent. Which points at the developmental shift that they need to make to be more effective because they need the feedback from others right. That's the they're not they're not going to figure it out without on feedback. their own typically they realize it's not working long after the people that are they're leading realize mm-hmm. it's not working, yeah, yeah. Right? but they need more sp- concrete specific feedback to both shape the change and also to create the motivation to change. Feedback is really critical. Mm -hmm. So most of the work that I do, most of the work that leadership coaches do using this instrument is helping managers 
understand the limits of the reactive mindset. Can we go through Mm -hmm. those different stages in Mm -hmm. terms of leadership? So starting with egocentric self-sovereign. That would be the classic authoritarian Mm -hmm. uh, leader that I said is really out of style. You know, one of the things, though, that is true is I think there are remnants of the self-sovereign mindset in everybody's minds. Followers sometimes can be characterized by this assumption that the leader has to solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. It can be a, a barrier to empowerment, the, the mindset that the followers hold. A barrier to self-empowerment. Exactly. Okay. The assumptions about patriarchy and that mm-hmm. somehow the person on top knows the answers mm-hmm. is something that all of us collectively have to kind of work through mm-hmm. to really become align to a vision and then co-create the, the reality of that vision. Together. I think moving out of adolescence and recognizing that your parents are people, yeah. they don't have the answer. They're not perfect. We all remember what a shock that was. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> so it's very parallel to that. They lay that down as an endpoint because like with any model, each stage is largely defined by comparison to the previous one or mm-hmm. the later one. Most leaders are in what they would call the reactive stage. The socialized self. And they are successful. Mm -hmm. That's how they got the job to be a manager. They were very focused on fulfilling the expectations of their manager or the organization. They were carrying out the direction of others. They're usually very, very good at the discipline in which they work in. And so more often than not, they get promoted because they were really good at what they did as individual contributors. The socialized self works really well for people in organizations. Those who are even the most successful often find themselves in a leadership role where the reactive mindset Mm -hmm. becomes inadequate for the leadership role. And nearly 75% of managers are in the reactive right. stage. And when they looked at the effectiveness, it's they're only about 40% effective. Right. And they call it reactive. It's socialized. But mm-hmm. they call it reactive because in this context, they're really talking about uh, reacting to that which is outside yourself. The mm-hmm. problem with the reactive mindset, too, is it can burn you out. So here's the deal. You have a problem, right? You're a manager. Mm-hmm. You have a problem. And you, like, get anxious. And you do all the stuff you do to address that problem, right? And the problem abates. But then you take your attention off that problem. You look at something else. And it comes right back. Right. And so then you have to come back and do the very same thing again. Mm-hmm. And so it's a never-ending, reinforcing loop. And it can be exhausting. If you talk to, if you know, in organizations today, the biggest issue is burnout, stress, mm-hmm. uh, frustration that people have because they don't have a sense that they can succeed. They're given numbers they have to hit, it's <clears throat> impossible to hit, you right. know, and it's over and over and over again. So the reactive mindset is very disempowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really a barrier to greater effectiveness because a manager to be effective in the complexity of today's world has to be able to empower not only themselves but more and more people to do work. It's a scale issue. They can't meet the challenge. They have to scale. And reactive leadership is not scalable. Mm -hmm. It's It's an important distinction. 
Yeah. So does that motivate them then to go to the next stage? Yeah. I mean, some of them are very motivated or they get told by their manager, you know, they right. need to grow and develop or uh, or they're part of a leadership development program. Right. And, and uh, <laughs> a 360 feedback is almost always at the center of a development process for uh-huh. managers. What that looks like is mm-hmm. they get feedback. If they're in a highly re- reactive stage, the perception of others is that, first of all, they're incredibly focused on task and less focused on relationship. This feedback actually talks about creative competencies, so they may be quite low in all the both both task and relationship achievements and uh, accomplishments. The feedback also, though, goes to what they call reactive tendencies, mm-hmm. and these are the mindsets that are really holding people back. They've identified three mindsets. Hmm. One highly focused on task, which is a compilation of being highly controlling, being autocratic, being authoritarian, paying attention to getting things done, but uh, doing it in a highly directive way. Mm -hmm. On the other side, there's the reactive uh, tendency called complying, which is an over-reliance on relationship. So that's being concerned about what other people think. That's not wanting to upset And this is all in the reactive stage. They're all reactive. Okay. But you can be reactive on the relationship side. You can be reactive on the task side. And then they have one in the middle. They call it protecting. It's classic for people who were super, super smart, and this often happens in organizations, they had to kind of wait for everybody to catch up, Mm -hmm. and that has a tendency to make them pretty judgmental, pretty hypercritical. Impatient? uh, Impatient, absolutely. People in this feedback tool get feedback about their reactive tendencies that are holding them back from expressing the creative competencies mm-hmm. uh, in in both the task realm and the relationship realm. So now is and it so, a good time to move into discussing the creative? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so the creative yeah. self-authoring, only about 20% of leaders, and they are 65% effective. Yes. So it's a big, it's, That's it's a an improvement. Shift. Yeah. They give those numbers in their book, Mastering Leadership, because honestly, it provides a huge financial case for investing in leadership development. Yes. (laughs) And so this is when they move from an external focus to more of an internal, what's important here, what Mm -hmm. matters most. Mm -hmm. It's a regenerative phase. Remember, it's an individuation phase. Right. It's interesting. It's regenerative in the sense that rather than reacting to a problem Mm -hmm. it's much more defining a vision and aligning the passion you feel for that vision that change you're going to make to motivate you to take action and to motivate others and in the process you're motivating others excellent and as you make that transition often the feedback they get is if you would spend 25% of your time nurturing relationships with other people, which feels like you're off task and you might not meet your number. Mm -hmm. But if you would just invest in the relationship, you would be surprised. And that's a big epiphany people get in the coaching process is, you know, like I went to this meeting, I had an assignment from my coach not to say one word. And you know what happened? They were twice as productive. Uh So just observe that. Because managers have a hard time especially until they've made that transition when they're still held by 
the reactive mindset. The reactive mindset is the assumption that they have to have all the answers and be giving yeah. those answers. And when I was doing executive training with Cornerstone, we mm-hmm. were teaching mindfulness skills and psychology mm-hmm. skills. And that's what I noticed seemed to be the most difficult transition yeah. was allowing the CEO to receive yeah, perhaps receive the answer to whatever problem they were having, creating a, a forum, an open environment that felt safe enough where people could explore yeah. different solutions that maybe they hadn't thought of before. Right. So tapping into being more creative and more open. Yeah. Uh, if you can lessen the anxiety. Yes. And that create, was a huge as, part of what we were doing. More, more spaciousness. Exactly. And that's really the power of the mindfulness this developmental process is a oscillation between being subject to a, a way of seeing ourselves in the world to holding that as an object. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what happens. So rather than, I got to get this done, it's like you step back and you're able to see. And breathe. And then <laughs> see yourself as part of this system and have a choice then to say, you know, I don't have to jump in right here. I don't right. have to do this. Right. And you begin to see other parts of the system that are playing a part. Ironically, you're doing that mm-hmm. at a stage of greater individuation. Right. That hadn't occurred to me at the yeah. time. And I was, yeah. I don't know why this is popping in my mind, but the power of pausing. Yeah. Of just sitting yeah. with a dynamic and allowing that to sink well, what in you, a little what bit you, deeper. What you teach mm-hmm. uh, in mindfulness is absolutely uh, a critical skill. It's a tough sell, even to self-offering leaders, but it is incredibly effective Mm -hmm. in the developmental process because Mm -hmm. it allows people to slow down enough uh, to detach from what they think is their reality and then have other choices. It can be a tough sale, though, until people are farther along in their journey. They're looking at profit, and ultimately, I think this shows that the profit's there. It's yeah. just, a, but it is a different mindset. They have and to that can be it. scary. They have right? to trust it. Yeah, they have to, have to trust it, it and believe yeah. it. That's actually a big, big transition. I would mm-hmm. say that's where the majority of work is done. The challenging thing is that, honestly, a self-authoring or creative mindset is not really up to the complexity that we're dealing with today in the uh-huh. world and in organizations. And so what they call their integral leader, you know, in Keegan's terms, is self-transforming, or especially at higher levels of the organization, mm-hmm. you need it. Right. You really need it. And the statistics here, only 5% yeah. of adults reach the integral or self-transforming self, and they're 90% effective. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. That is a big deal. And you know, there is this notion of the shadow of a leader. We all mm-hmm. we're all constrained by the consciousness of the leader. So that's why at the very top, they're dealing with an enormous amount of complexity. Yeah. And if you have a leader who is integral at the very, very top of a large organization, that's a hugely powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Can you describe the shadow a little bit more? Well, it's just the notion that everything we do casts a shadow on those people that we influence. And when we're a leader, we influence a lot of people, whether we want to or not. Our mindset, if we're highly reactive, that will Mm. cast a shadow and create the conditions where it's hard for other people to not be reactive because they're 
swimming in a sea of reactivity <laughs> that makes it hard, you yeah. know, to say, okay, I, I opt out. I don't want to do that. I mean, it's possible, yeah. but it becomes hard in organizations. And especially because, you know, not that many people are on a developmental path to be mm-hmm. non-reactive. Mm-hmm. And so the leader disproportionately compared to other domains of life, Mm -hmm. uh, has a big influence on the quality of life of everybody. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Including their own. And uh, I think we all know that intuitively. Mm -hmm. That has led many organizations to say, well, our biggest priority is leadership development because Mm -hmm. if we can get that right. But nobody argues with the reality that leaders have a larger than life influence right and that's why even organizational culture with our executive mindfulness training that's why we approached the top people yeah because of that trickle down effect and that shadow yeah because if we didn't start there the change probably wasn't going to happen and especially (laughs) when you begin to talk about that really complex thing called culture it is complex so the last stage is unitive and it's the highest stage of awareness achieved through meditation, mm-hmm. uh, leaders function as global visionaries and enact world service for the universal good. Right. Maybe 1% of adults reach that. I'm just joking. I don't really <laughs> <Who> know. <laughs> That's actually the stage I'm working on right now. Yeah. It was hard for me to move from socialized to self-authoring. Mm-hmm. As a leader, I was naturally collaborative, deferential, even though I had positions of authority. My natural personality was to lead from behind. I don't know how effective I was, but I tended hmm. to be kind of a popular leader. People wanted to work in mm-hmm. my in my team. It was all just sort of natural to me. But and I didn't really start leading until I was in my mid forties. So I because okay. I didn't really go to work in organizations until I was forty. And I just kind of came natural that I was leading a team and then <sighs> then I was leading a bigger team and then I started as an organization development specialist. I moved into HR roles, which were the position power roles. Mm-hmm. You know, went like that for many, many years and then found myself post a big integration of a company I was mm-hmm. part of, head mm-hmm. of HR. So then had to play at that executive level. And that's where I had to really find my own voice, get comfortable. So that with became my own the self authoring that, that stage. My life journey starting in my 20s was what's my purpose in life. I ask those kinds of questions, but really moving into and being comfortable with having a voice, with owning my power, that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. As I matured and about 24 years in, I moved out of all formal power positions mm-hmm. and I served as a senior consultant mm-hmm. working on the issue of culture. So I was really in that domain that is incredibly Uh, complex. And I had many, many years in this organization, many years working at high levels. And so I had this sort of protective Hmm. uh, orientation toward others. It was like, this place is so toxic. I've got to protect these people from this. Powers that be will never pay attention. So I've got to somehow be the conduit. And I got this 360 feedback. Was that surprising? It was very surprising. It was a big, big surprise. What the feedback said to me was, well, you're a very loving person, but essentially you're disempowering people. And that's not your, that wasn't well, your that was the, Well, that wasn't my self-image. Right. <laughs> it was like, oh, really? You're yeah. disempowering people. You're cutting off the chance for them to basically come into the muck 
where mm-hmm. you are, they're stronger than you mm-hmm. believe they are. Mm-hmm. In this way, you're really being controlling uh, huh. in a way that I never thought of myself as controlling. But that's what you're—you're you're trying to control reality here. And what and you're, you were again coming from a perspective of protecting. I was coming from a very reactive place of complying. So, so I had really high scores on relationship creative, uh-huh. but I had equally high scores on relationship complying. I was almost 100% focused on relationship, almost not at all focused on task. And I was both creative and reactive at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was like a big epiphany. Huh. And in the model, it actually is a, sometimes an indication of a shift to self-transforming when you have so much mm. at the top and the bottom of this feedback. It was hard for me to take, but I, I learned from it. I began to have a much more playful <laughs> approach. Uh, could be that I was, you know, ending the end of my time. But I, I began to discover the power of completely detaching from outcomes and allowing the team to really just be present with our reality, Mm -hmm. listening a lot more deeply, finding ease and grace Mm -hmm. in the dysfunction. It kind of blew my mind, actually. I think I was more effective in terms of the way I existed. I was happier with the way I was showing up. Uh Uh, I felt more alignment with what I wanted. It made me an evangelist for this tool. So now all my coaching I do around this this 360. And it's a successful, powerful tool. So mm-hmm. People want to do it mm-hmm. and they want the help in interpreting what the feedback says and then in def- co-defining and creating action steps moving forward. Mm-hmm. That was my experience with mm-hmm. self-transforming with what they call integral. They don't really talk about the unitive there's not enough well i don't even i'm not even sure you could exist in organizational life pursuing the unitive self-transforming is again an embedded state so okay so remember self-authoring is individuation Mm -hmm. self-transforming is as i said earlier it's discovering really the co-creation of reality in an enormous amount of complexity it is in its nature playful there's a kind of lightness to it I retired happily and I have this private coaching practice and Mm -hmm. it's always easier to do a coaching practice because I don't deal at all with the organizational dysfunction. I just deal with individuals who are excited to be working on their own development and Mm -hmm. they they live in the dysfunction, but they're also very committed Mm -hmm. by the time they get to me to their own growth. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's really a complete and total pleasure. I have felt like I'm in and moving back to a new phase of individuation. Mm -hmm. I've come to understand that you don't get to go to higher and higher levels of embeddedness. That would be embedded in the whole universe, you know, totally integrated until you go through the portal of individuation. Uh So for me, that has meant more meditation, mm-hmm. more solitude. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the maybe the way the paradox plays out is solitude and community. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, understanding really being connected in com- community requires a certain measure of solitude. Right. You know, so balancing those two. Well, Renee, thank you so uh, much for everything that you've shared. I hope that listeners get a lot out of this. Mm -hmm. I think that looking at stages of life is so important to help us all 
navigate this life. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate your time. Well, thank you. It's mm-hmm. been my pleasure. Speaking of development, it takes a lot of energy to be your best self. Our product for this episode is Rishi Extract Mushroom Complex by Life Extension. The supplement boosts your body's natural defenses and supports healthy immune function. It's been used for centuries in traditional Chinese medicine. Go to your truthreveal.com slash store and use promo code TRUTH for a 20% discount. This segment of my show focuses on answering questions that people have about each episode. Many of you want to know what makes a great leader. Dr. Renee Rogers introduced me to a book called Mastering Leadership. The authors describe how psychologists Robert Keegan's stages of development are integrated in their universal model of leadership. They break this model down into five stages of development. Egocentric, reactive, creative, integral, and then unitive. Nearly 75% of managers are reactive. Studies also show that they are only 40% effective in leadership. They tend to be autocratic and controlling. They have unquestioned loyalty to the leader and not to the organization. Learning this, my advice is to grow beyond this stage and move into creative leadership. Creative leaders let go of reactive assumptions. They are open to new possibilities. They rely less on what they assume is expected of them. They grow into a deeper sense of personal purpose and vision. Transitioning to this stage is the major transition in adult life and in leadership. For the first time, you begin to create yourself from the inside out. Let's look at this from a different scope. Only 20% of leaders are creative. These leaders turn out to be 65% effective. I encourage you to read the book, Mastering Leadership. It may very well help you make this transition. What is your leadership style or what kind of leader do you hope to become? For more learning, download your free worksheet on my website, yourtruthrevealed.com. Please subscribe and add a rating and review at Your Truth Revealed on Apple iTunes. There are also great resources in the show notes. Tune in for episode 11. I explore knowing your food with Dr. Henry Nuss. One of the most important factors in overall health is the nutrition you get from the food you eat. All the proteins, the the cell membranes that compose our bodies are made of the nutrients that we extract from food. So our body's abilities to make our own material is limited by the quality of our diet. I'm Erica Marcoux. Thanks for listening.